Hi everyone, I am so happy to have you here today. I am talking to Deb Fisella. She is a PR, marketing, nonprofit, arts genius who I have grown to become great friends with over the years. I know you're going to love our conversation. Welcome to Beaming. excited. I'm really beaming uh, ear to ear right now. My cheeks are going to hurt by the end of this interview, I know, (laughs) because I'm talking to one of the people I consider one of my greatest mentors, friends, Deb Fisella. And I'm so happy to have you on the show, Deb. It's been a goal of mine to have you on because I was always inspired by you when we worked together. So it's happening. Way to make me cry. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Didn't I tell you? I have to make everyone cry first. Laugh awesome. later. <laughs> Got you. Okay. <laughs> well, now I know how this is going to roll. So thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. So uh, we'll talk definitely about how we met and how we work together. Ah. Um, but first, I'd love to give you a minute to just introduce yourself. Tell us about maybe where you're from, what you're up to, um, really whatever you want to share. Well, thank you, first of all. I, I am just so tickled and honored to be on your podcast. I've been listening to it. You have so many great conversations and what you bring to the podcast and what you bring to the conversation is just so beautiful and lovely. And so I'm just really, just really appreciative that you would ask me to be on your podcast. It's really very sweet. Oh my gosh. Now I'm crying. Okay. Continue. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Touche. Um, so yeah, my name is Deb Fisella and I grew up in Pennsylvania. I've lived here in the DC area for gosh, over 25 years, I think, which makes me a native, I also think. And I have basically worked in the world of performing arts almost my entire career. Um, for the last 20 plus years, I've had my own business as a publicist. Yeah. And so this past year has been a little challenging, as you know, (laughs) for our industry. Um, And so I've had the great opportunity to kind of move into the nonprofit world. And I've been doing a lot of work with nonprofits, um, helping them with their messaging and their publicity and, and doing a lot of writing, which I have absolutely loved just loved it. So it it may very well be that I'm tiptoeing out of our beloved industry and into um, something a little bit new and different. Well, that's so exciting. It feels like a lot of parts of your involvement in nonprofits and just like your, your role in activism that I saw throughout the time working with you it seems like that part of you is coming together with your skills as, you know, someone in PR and marketing. So it's it's exciting to hear that you're looking for new opportunities in that realm. And uh, I think that's a great fit for you. And when you talk about it, I like 
can tell that you're into it and so exciting. Like how many people did you text for the election? Over 14,000. Oh my God. <laughs> Which is nothing, nothing. I had colleagues Gay. that did like 60,000 or I mean, they were on it. They were on it. However, I will say yay, Arizona, because that was my adopted state for the elections. So which is so exciting. I know. I was like, when we were watching the results, Scott, I hate to bring us back to this <laughs> stressful time, but <laughs> I was like sitting with, <laughs> with my uh, roommates and I'd be like, Deb is fighting for us. <laughs> She's been texting, <laughs> um, which is is so awesome. And that's just like a tiny glimpse of of what you put into making the world a better place. So the world that you grew up in, in Pennsylvania, when you were growing up, did you know that you wanted to step into the world of performing arts at all? Or how did that kind of come to excite you? That's a great question. Well, my brother was an actor. Okay. So I would see him rehearsing for like high school plays. And I knew that he went off to college to study acting. We always had music playing in the house. So <laughs> when I was really little, I would, we were in an apartment that had a hall that went from the living room down to the bedrooms. And I would start at the at the end of the hall and play a record and then like walk down the hall as if I was walking onto a stage and start singing along with like Frank Sinatra or Perry Como, which were the, you know, the records that my parents had. Little Deb. So, so picture that. (laughs) And I was performing in talent shows and things like that. So it was always a love of mine. Performing arts were always a love of mine. My parents were not super excited about me pursuing that for, you know, a college degree. And so I didn't, which also told me that in looking back, it meant that I didn't have that drive. But even at Penn State, go Nittany Lions. (laughs) I was, I, I actually had my first job in the performing arts at Penn State because I was the director of a student organization called the Student Foundation for the Performing Arts. And we brought different types of artists to to Penn State to perform. Hmm. So it was like Livingston Taylor and Second City and a production of For Colored Girls. It was like all over the, you know, the spectrum. And I loved it. I loved it. And I wanted to find like a theater management program or something like that, but Penn State didn't have one at the time. So I mean, my first job didn't have anything to do with the arts, but I always knew that I would eventually go back to school for it. Mm. I just didn't know how or when. It was at a bank, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was in human resources at a bank. And and yet, like, there's still things from that experience that I use to this day. Yeah. Like, we had a professional customer relations program that every employee had to go through. Mm. And I became a trainer for that. So I was actually then training other employees and training management to be coaches. And some of the things that I learned there, I still I still use like on the job conflict resolution. Yeah. So it's cool. It's cool. So nothing is ever kind of like too much of a reach almost. Yeah. Like there's always something that you can take from every, every experience. I like that you said that because uh, I don't know if you listened a few episodes ago, 
I had Melanie Faith on who is a witch and she, that's one of the things she said is like, she keeps telling me that you're going to take the things that you're doing now and it's going to be important further on in your life. Even if right now it seems like you're just a nanny, like you're something will come from the experiences you have. And it's hard sometimes being in it to be told that because you're like, yeah, well, I could change a diaper before this. And, you know, when will I ever have it? Like, you know, you could <laughs> say that, but she's like, something will, it, you're supposed to be here to, to learn something. And, um, you know, could be something completely not related to my job. So I like that. That definitely happened for you. And even I was mentioning to you when we were chatting about my email, (laughs) like even the the way I like present myself over the beaming account and invite people on the show and send them dates. Like I learned all of that from PR. And I was like, in the moment, I didn't know what that would turn into. So it is true that the little steps along the way will make probably make a greater impact than you could ever really know. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because I think that, you know, when it really comes down to is relationships. And so it's how, you know, how we interact with each other and, and how we help each other or, or how we um, learn from each other. And I think that that gift is is held in whatever experience you go through. Totally agreed. Yay. So you went to Penn State, which I definitely learned a lot about. <laughs> you learned about grilled stickies is what you learned about. I like think about them to this day. I really do. When will I have them again is on the top of my mind most days. Deb always, whenever she went back to Pennsylvania to visit, she would bring us grilled stickies. I loved hearing about your time doing the dance-a-thon. Yeah, dance marathon. Yeah. And that, I think, is probably where, I mean, even at the bank, we had opportunities to to do some type of community service. But I think the, the dance marathon at Penn State was really kind of my first foray into a major philanthropic event. And, and at that point, it wasn't nearly as huge as it is now. Um, I think this year they raised, again, over $10 million oh for research for kids with cancer and to support kids and their families for the children who are going through cancer. So it's, it's really, it's a remarkable, it's one of the things that I'm most proud of when it comes to Penn state. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, But I, you know, like I said, I always did know in the back of my mind that I'd want to try something in the arts. Mm -hmm. And I learned of the program at Binghamton university. It was an MBA program in arts administration. I felt like because I had a business background in business statistics that like no MFA program was even going to look twice. And you're like, what? (laughs) You talk a whole different language. We can't help you. (laughs) And going there was like, it opened up everything. I had gone to like a weekend program prior to applying to the MBA program that was just kind of like careers in the arts. And they were, they actually said like, don't, don't get an arts, you know, don't get an arts management degree. It's not worth it. Just go find a job. Like no one's going to hire me. I have literally zero experience in the arts. Who would even think to hire me? I have like banking experience. Yeah. You could have been in the 
finance department, maybe? Sure. <laughs> Except that I was in human resources. Like, I could have been in human resources. Yeah. Like, that's what I could have done. I could have administered, like, the benefits for a theater. <laughs> yeah. But going to Binghamton, I just, that's where I learned about marketing. Like, I had a graduate assistantship in as a marketing assistant for the Performing Arts Center on campus. I had an internship we all had to have as part of our program. Our last semester was a full-time internship with an arts organization. And I worked with a presenting company that um, presented concerts and they pre- they had Broadway seasons in a number of different markets and um, they presented family shows. So I learned all these, diff- I also learned to swear there, <laughs> which was awesome. Oh my God. <laughs> That's funny. That was hilarious. Um, But it was just so like that experience was even we were presenting. Here's a fun. Well, like this is like, again, like all these experiences, like they're nuggets that you take away. So we were the um, presenters of the concert that Gloria Stefan was traveling to when her bus had the accident. Oh, wow. So she was coming up to, I think, Syracuse, maybe? Wow. Yeah. So, like, I learned, like, crisis PR and how to handle, you know, that type of an emergency. That's intense. It was, it was really, really fascinating to see, like, how, how everybody, like, how our account representatives at the different radio stations responded. And the most interesting, and this is a tribute then to Gloria Stefan, because instead of being like, instead of asking about how do I get a refund for the ticket or, you know, anything like that, those ticket holders were asking how they could help, where they could send cards, where they could send flowers. It was, it was really, it was beautiful. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. That's such a unique experience like uh, to learn in that kind of fast-paced environment and situation that's so interesting and so that was when so you were traveling at that point or were you based in New York at that point I was based in Binghamton so that was part of my internship and then from there when I when I graduated is how I came down here I got a job down here okay what was your first job in DC area so my first job here was with the the CAP Center, which is now, oh gosh, I don't remember what it is now. Capital One Arena? I don't Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that what it is now? Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I like get the sponsorship right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it used to it used to sit out in Landover and I was the promotions um, what was my title? I don't even remember. Promotions person. I don't really worry about titles, obviously. <laughs> Oh, I want a title of promotions person number one. That sounds like a like a theater like a role, right? <laughs> you know, promotions person number one, promotions person number two, <laughs> to the stage. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. Wow. That's that's it. That sounds like a good gig. It was great. It was great. My boss was the PR director, so that's kind of how I got into doing a lot of, of PR and promotional stuff. My responsibilities were to like make sure that we were using tickets for trade for radio spots or TV spots, coming up with different contesting 
so that we were giving tickets away and and getting more uh, exposure for our events. And it was all, again, it was like family shows, concerts. I think that was it. It was mostly family shows, mostly family shows. But like, that was my first experience working with Cirque du Soleil because like the leadership of um, the Cap Center was able to help solidify the um, Cirque du Soleil coming to town. And so we were responsible for the marketing and, and PR for them. It's great. Which is so cool. Yeah. I feel like I remember you telling us stories about Cirque du Soleil. Was that the only time you worked with them? Uh, I worked with them maybe, I've worked with them on and off, either helping, helping someone with, with the PR. That was like the only time that I, like I personally was on the account because it was our, you know, it was Cap Center. Um, But then a friend of mine started his own PR business and had had the account when they would come in. So he would ask me for help. That's cool. Yeah. I've never seen a Cirque du Soleil show. <laughs> I don't think. How is that possible? I don't know. <laughs> they like even came to my school, I think. There are a lot of now theaters, like, like kind of similar to Cirque du Soleil, but they, you know, they're theater productions that have been around a while. I don't know. It was at one of the arenas near near me, so like I really should have gone. <laughs> mm. But they have done some. I know Cirque du Soleil has done some arena shows too. But it was it was a really great experience. I got to actually dress up in one of the costumes. <laughs> so one of the things that Cirque did back in the day, and I think they still do, is they would collect things to donate to either like. Um, a homeless shelter or um, like an after-school center in a disadvantaged community. And so we went and visited Martha's Table. Mm. And one of the performers who was supposed to go with us was just not feeling like they were feeling under the weather that morning when we were supposed to take these things over. And so they were like, you could fit into the costume. (laughs) Oh, my God. That is so like, cool. Okay. So you're basically a cast member for a day. <laughs> for like a morning, for a hot minute. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and it was terrifying because those costumes are like intense and they're yeah. like, they're really valuable. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, don't anyone touch me? <laughs> don't like, like, yeah. just like, let me just stand here and not move because if anything happens to this costume, I'm in big trouble. That is so funny. That reminds me when I used to do princess parties and I'd like be in my full, like, Cinderella gown in my car, like the, the like the whole hoop skirt is like squished to fit, and I'd be like, "Please, just let me keep this intact before I get to this party." Because if Cinderella shows up with a broken dress, well, yeah, that's not good. That that's would not be good. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so crazy! I wonder why it was so important that they had that number of performers. You know, like that they were like, we need to send Devin. Yeah, I think, I mean, we were only taking two performers that morning. And literally it was just dropping off like food and clothing and things like that. But he just wasn't feeling well. And and the morning of, it's not like we're going to like start calling people and waking them up and, you know, performers morning. (laughs) That wouldn't have been cool. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, that is so cool. That's so fun that you got to... My one claim to Cirque du Soleil theme. 
I'll take it. I'm going to make the title of this podcast Cirque du Soleil Performer <laughs> Tip. That is so not it. That is, and I mean, and that's just such a, and no disrespect to like all of the performers and what they do because they just like, my jaw was always on the ground watching them. That's so cool. That's amazing. Yeah. And then, so you worked in the DMV area for yeah, the rest. For- a while. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I did, you know, I had a hot minute down in St. Petersburg. Woot. Right. That's crazy. I know. I was like, the coincidences are just like. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. crazy. What did you do there again? I was the marketing director for the Bayfront Center and the Happy Theater. So it was like an arena plus a theater. That is so crazy. And it was awesome. I loved it there. <laughs> I know. Recently, I've been like in the dreary weather mostly I'm like I miss St. Pete I could wake up and go to the beach right that was like 15 minutes away right right there's uh, something to be said for that there was just nothing like it yeah I think it was good for me to live there for a little bit and just experience that sunshine for a while but that is so crazy I remember when I got the job and you said that you like had lived there I was like I thought no one knew of it because <laughs> I feel like everyone else I mentioned it to was like, where's that? I'm like, that is so funny. So you were in St. Pete and then you're back in the Washington area. When was your first like run in with arena state? Oh gosh, that's a, let's see. So I had had my business for about a little over 10 years. Oh, right. Wait, we skipped you making your own business. <laughs> <Right>. Oops. <laughs> Yeah, rewind. Okay, wait. First, just tell us about your decision to create your own business. Yeah, well, that was that was kind of happenstance. Uh, I had never really thought about having my own business, and I had worked for a producing company, a theatrical producing company, for about four years, and that wasn't working out all that well. And so, um, it was one of those things where it's like, well, let's figure this out, right? Like, (laughs) what's the next step? And um, because it wasn't working out so well, I was actually let go from the producing company. And I started looking around for some jobs. My boyfriend at the time had his own PR firm and said, well, why don't I throw some, some work your way? And while you're looking for a job, and I was like, okay, that sounds good. You know, I can do that. And this, again, this is like how thing, like how dots connect. There was a company up in New York that was looking for a marketing and PR representative for a tour that they were going to be sending out. And it was Blues Clues Live. And my mentor from my internship in Binghamton mm-hmm. called me and said, hey, there's this job opportunity up in New York. You should look into it. So she introduced me to the company and to the person who was making the hiring decision, but I would have had to move up to New York. And I wasn't, that wasn't really something that I felt like I had the capacity to do. And so I, you know, I was like, I just can't, is there any way I can do it from here? And he, you know, they weren't comfortable with that, which I totally understand. They wanted somebody on site. So they hired somebody and then asked me if I would be, you know, like if I would help in terms of training and 
being kind of like a like a sounding board as they were getting up to speed um, doing doing this type of work, this this representation type of work. Mm-hmm. And I said, sure. And so then what happened is when the show came here to DC, they needed somebody boots on the ground to do the advertising and PR for it. And so they hired me to do it. And that really then, you know how small our industry is, like that opened up the world to me because I did a pretty good job. And, you know, I mean, like, and it was a whole lot of fun. I mean, it's Blue's Clues Live. Like, like, yeah, seriously. (laughs) That's so fun. And they, you know, then word started getting around Mm -hmm. about this is, you know, this is somebody that you could hire for shows that are coming into DC. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was still doing advertising and promotion as part of my, as part of my business. Mm -hmm. And then I was kind of handing off the PR work to somebody else. And a couple of years later, maybe an agency that was really well known in the industry that did advertising and promotions decided to open up like a shop here in DC. Like they were based in Boston, but they decided to open up here in DC as well, like a branch office. And I was like, oh, that's going to be a problem for me. That's going to, like, I can't go up. They're so well known in the industry and they have such great contacts. Right. That's not going to be, I can't go, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be yeah. able to fight that. So what if I offered to be the PR piece of their pitches Yeah, and say, you know, like they get hired to do advertising and promotions and then they recommend me for for PR. And it's like this whole big package that they can then provide. Yeah. And I had worked with them when I was on the producing side, you know, so it's like all these little relationships is you just get to know everybody. And that's what happened. And I was really, really lucky that they were willing to toss my name around when they got hired to work on shows here in DC. And it became a pretty great partnership. That's so exciting. And that's like, like you said, just the power of how small the industry is and how valuable we are to each other and in lifting each other up and sharing the talent around. So that's amazing. So then you created your company because you were then being kind of a part of this other, you know, it's probably for legal reasons also like having a set company is is better for like that world than just saying like Deb is here. Right. <laughs> <You're> right. <Steph. laughs> exactly. Like, you know, I mean, I kind of decided on the name for my company, like right from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Again, like in my head, I was like going to do this for maybe a year or so. Because <laughs> like, I was still looking, you know, but like Blue's Clues came around about two years in and then I can't remember like what, like another two years later, there was like a major show at the National Theater that I got to work on. And that kind of started that ball rolling with PR. And so at that point, I'm like, oh, I guess maybe I'm doing this. (laughs) It's happening. (laughs) Guess maybe this is a thing. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I like that, how it all came together. And yeah you got to a spot where like, I love, I love when people are like, I want to be in theater somehow. I want to like help make the arts accessible and and bring art to a community. 
but don't know exactly where they fit into it. It's exciting when like they find that thing that they're good at and can be a part of making theater happen, which is like what you did. Yeah, it's it was always just a thrill to be able to get people in the doors to see what basically, you know, you know, these people became my friends that they were, you know, the work that they were doing on the stage and behind, you know, behind the stage um, to be able to, to at least bring the audience in, do whatever I could do to bring the audience in um, to appreciate what the work was that was being done. That's great. So then rewind, fast forward, whatever, back to (laughs) (laughs) arena stage. Yeah. (laughs) What was your first run in with them? So that was when the media relations director was going on maternity leave for the first time. And I, I'm trying to think if I had actually known anybody there prior to and I don't I mean I knew of people like I knew Chad Bowman who was who was the um, communications person there at the time but I don't know that I had had any kind of like working experience with them Mm -hmm. I think they reached out and just said hey you know we have this time frame that we're going to need some help what can, you know, can you come, can, you know, can, can you come in and talk with us and, and see whether or not that would be a good fit? And, and so I basically interviewed for the position, you know, and it was a three month gig. Um, I wound up talking to Edgar Doby and we actually realized that we had, our paths had crossed prior to <laughs> when he worked with really useful company. And when I was at the producing organization, we had a production of um, um, Starlight Express. There we go. <laughs> right. And it was in Las Vegas, Las Vegas, Las Vegas. Um, and so that's how our paths had sort of kind of crossed in, you know, beforehand. That's so random. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It's the smallest industry ever. <laughs> I mean, even just like, again, rewinding just a little bit, like the, the producing organization that, that I left the general manager left like maybe a year or two after and then formed his own company and then hired me to work on their tours. So it's like, you know, you can't burn any bridges because right. you just never know when you're going to cross paths again with somebody. I agree. So yeah, that was such a great experience. We worked on, let's see, what did we have there then? I think the thing that touched my heart the most is we had a production of The Normal Heart and it was during, I think the AIDS quilt was displayed. It was, there was a, oh, I'm going to forget. There was like a huge world AIDS conference happening. And I think it was happening in DC at the same time that we had Normal Heart in production. Wow. It was such a, I mean, that was such a moving experience and just, oh, I loved that play so much. So good. I feel like I remember learning about that and you telling us about that experience. And then, and that was Probably only a few years before we met. Yeah, I think so. I think it was just two or three years later. Yeah, which feels crazy. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Wow. Who even knew? So we met and you were back. You were consulting on a semi, not permanent, but 
I mean, you didn't have an end, right? Really, to your contract? <laughs> just kept moving. Like you just were like, okay. the end kept moving. <laughs> the end kept moving. <laughs> right. We'd be like, Jeb's leaving in a month. And then she'd be like, oh, I'm staying for three more months. And we were like, okay, great. Jeb's leaving in a month. And then, <laughs> which honestly was so fun. It was so fun with Lauren and me and you. It was great. When I knew absolutely nothing. That's not true. No, when I <laughs> start, I didn't even, what, they asked me to do the interview and I was like, what's PR? I didn't even know a public relations <laughs> But you started out, wait, so you started out as a fellow, right? And then took over the position? Technically, I started, yes, in the PR department. So I started as an intern. I was an education intern, um, education and community outreach this summer of 2017. And so I worked at Camp Arena Stage and did some other stuff with Voices of Now. And then during the summer, Sean Maurice um, asked me, you know, he said they haven't found the right fit for the, for the public relations fellowship for the next year would you want to interview and I was like I don't know what that is I'm not interested (laughs) because I'm like what is that but he was like just go talk to Lauren and who was the PR who was the publicist before Lauren oh Greta Greta oh my gosh why did I name everyone in the uh the (laughs) development department first I don't know (laughs) um yes Greta and he was like just go talk to them they'll tell you about it and like you can tell them about yourself and like see if he was more like I don't even know if the subject matter is a good fit but I think you'd really like working with them and I was like, okay. So I went and, and interviewed and, and it was great. And then I got the job and then Greta was like, I'm leaving. Bye. And I was like, okay, <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> and you were brought on like right at the beginning. I think like maybe there was like a less than a month, I think of with, of being without you. Right. Yeah. I, I can't really remember. <laughs> So basically from the start of my fellowship to beyond, you were there and (laughs) I got, uh, you know, was on the full-time staff by April 2018 and was an associate till the end. And there was a time that you weren't there, right? I think so. I think so. I think that there was a, there was like a two or three month break that I wasn't there. And then it was like, come on back. And then of course we had Sammy and Lauren number two join, which was lovely. And I'm so thankful for those years there. Me too. I loved, I, there was such, I don't know. Like when I think about my time at arena, I just smile because, you know, the work is hard and it can be challenging and frustrating and all of those things. And yet there was just a real sense of a team. Like we were all in it together. And I loved that. That was, that made me smile every single day. We were all in this together. Shout out Corbin. (laughs) Corbin, if you're listening, please come on, be me. I want to interview you. (laughs) That was smooth. That was smooth. I appreciate that. Thank you. (laughs) 
we had some adventures. <laughs> we did. And some crazy, crazy moments and definitely learned our limits, learned what it was like to get up and drive an actor to an interview at like 6 a.m. and <laughs> all of the fun that comes with that. It was so cool when things started falling into place, especially for me and like learning the DC community and mm-hmm. like when I knew the people and knew the news stations and that was so exciting because it felt like I was really a part of the bigger picture of the community there and yeah we'll we'll always cherish that so after that you you know we well through it all you were still doing your you still had your business going mm-hmm. and you would be working on tours and such during Mm -hmm. but after that then there's only a year before the pandemic so Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's all a blur (laughs) (laughs) but like during that time you found the group for moms that you worked with you want to talk a little about that and you're kind of like yeah and I found my way to moms demand action to the Maryland chapter and uh, have now become, I'm actually the social media lead for the chapter, which is crazy. <laughs> it's awesome and crazy because, I mean, what they do is so important. And I'm kind of late to the ball game a little bit. They've been around since 2012. And they're so dedicated. And I'm so honored to work alongside them, alongside the survivors and all of the people who have been just working like crazy to enact gun sense legislation. I mean, it's just been just an honor to work by their sides. And it speaks to me. I don't necessarily consider myself a gun violence survivor although I did lose two colleagues to gun violence. But what really got me off the sidelines was was Parkland, the tragedy in Parkland, and just seeing how these students were just not going to take anything. They were just not going to be silenced. And I thought, I have to, I can't not do something. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. these are kids who shouldn't have to be doing this at all. We adults should have solved the problem a long time ago, and we didn't. So I have to do whatever I can to support them. You're right. That was like a huge turning point in just like the tragedy of our country. But the way that they responded was, I mean, incredible. March for Our Lives happened like mere months after. And Mm -hmm. um, I remember attending in D.C. for some of it. And it was just like, yeah, no one should be on the sidelines, but I'm glad that it brought you to that group and that you've grown in in that group and in the work that you do for them. And, you know, then the pandemic hit, but it's exciting that you have another access point into the world of nonprofits and just organizations led by people who care about these causes so deeply. It, it really is remarkable what people are doing to make the world a better place that we don't hear about. And that's really kind of like what I've been doing this past year because of the fact that 
there was no work in our industry. Um, a friend of mine turned me on to a website called Catch a Fire, which which partners um, nonprofits who need some type of help, whether it's writing or PR or graphic work or web design and volunteers. And so I have been volunteering. I think I've volunteered with maybe 13 or 14 different organizations over the past oh year. Oh my gosh. It has been just the best experience ever. It's been so fulfilling. Wow. And I absolutely love it. I love it. I love every minute of it. Good. And I've just been so lucky the the organizations that I work with just what they're doing is incredible. And they they deserve all the props and all the kudos in the world because it's hard. It's hard to keep doing what they're doing. Yeah. I I can imagine, but I feel like you're a perfect fit for working with them and that's an awesome website. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds really, really cool. It's really really great and I've actually like there are a couple of organizations that I'm now working with the second time around. Just all sorts of different types of opportunities. Like I've been writing a lot. I've been doing a lot more writing than I've been doing PR. Like I've been writing organizational one sheets or I've been writing press kits. Um, I'm doing now I'm doing like website writing. And so that's really, that's really cool because oftentimes I don't get to kind of work that muscle um, as much as I'd like to. And so that's been really gratifying. There's a initiative that I got to work on called International Safeguards for Children in Sport. And we created a social media campaign um, around what they call Safe Sport Day, which is in August. And that was really great. Like we, we increased their Twitter followers. And yeah, so it's just been like all sorts of different types of opportunities. And I've, I've gotten to grow from it, you know, which is always kind of fun to do at a certain point in your career where you're still learning things and you're still getting to, to, you know, meet new people and try new things. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a very active role, like getting to work with different organizations, um, like all the time. I love that. That's definitely like the environment that I thrive in as well. Almost like, you know, you're working on one show and then you're moving to the next show. It like fits in with that kind of process as well, I think, which sounds great. Yeah. I love the variety of it. I mean, that's what I loved about my own business too, or love about my own business is the variety of it. So I get to work with, you know, on the one hand, I'm working with a regional theater. On the other hand, I'm working with a touring Broadway production. On the third hand, I don't know, is that a thing? Um, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm working with a, a husband and wife, you know, theater company. So it's like the kind of spectrum that you get when you have your own business or when you're working as an agency or even doing this kind of volunteer work is really, that's appealing to me on so many levels is having just the opportunity to learn new things and meet new people and work on different projects. For sure. Moving forward into the unknown. Usually I just give people <laughs> a chance to, you know, I think it's good to like say out loud the things that you're reaching for or, you know, want to experience, you know, that you could talk about it probably forever, but <laughs> all right, what is, what do you think like a, a dream next step would be, or, you know, an organization you'd love to work with, or just a, 
you know, an experience you'd love to have in your career? I've been thinking about this a little bit, like what's the elevator speech? In the broadest of terms, I want to help tell the stories of the people who are doing social impact work with a team of really smart, really kind people. And I'm really drawn to younger voices because I feel like they need a seat at the table. And so what I want to do is figure out how to give them that seat at the table, because I think that they see the world in a different way than, you know, somebody maybe of my generation or even a little bit younger than me. Um, And I think that they have really great ideas. Like the students demand action volunteers that I get to work with through moms demand action are so smart and they just, they know what they want and they, and they are just determined. And so if I can then figure out a way to make the path easier for them or to get them closer to the positions of power that can listen to them and then can help them do something, that's what I want to do. Like that is really exciting to me. And so in my head, I think that's probably going to be more agency work than anything else because it's, you know, again, it's the variety thing. There's a really cool, super cool um, agency up in Brooklyn called the Soze Agency. And they have worked, they actually worked with March for Our Lives. Um, They've got a campaign right now in DC that is calling attention to incarcerated women. And they also do a lot of work with, with artists so that it's the art that drives the campaign. It's, it's either, you know, visual art or performance art. And, and that's what I think would be super cool is would be to marry my two worlds, you know? So marry the, the, the performing arts world and the, and the advocate world in a way that we're using the the performing arts world to support advocacy. Yeah, I love that. And I think that you will do all those things and even more. And it's so cool to hear you talk about it. And I think you're right about involving young people in this world. And especially because there are young people that want to be a part of it and want to join forces and just make the world a better place for everyone, which is just inspiring. So I'm excited to see all that you do. Working with Deb over the years, she always shared exciting stories of the people she got to work with, artists, actors um, in the industry. And so I have asked her to mention a few of her favorite or just exciting people that she's uh, had the chance to work with over her career. So Deb, who is popping into your mind? I mean, we talked about Corbin. Yes. Corbin Blue, definitely up there for me as well. Yeah. I mean, he, he's just so generous. Um, Speaking as like a, from a PR perspective and a media relations perspective, you really appreciate the performers or the creative team members who are willing to share their time from an interview perspective or an appearance perspective. And Corbin, and I think I actually even told him this, reminded me a lot of, I had the opportunity to work with Frankie Avalon and he was in a production of Grease. And, you know, he was Frankie Avalon. <laughs> like, like he doesn't have to do anything he doesn't want to do, right? Except that he said yes to everything. And we had, like, we did a couple of 
in-person interviews, one at a TV station and one at a radio station here in DC. And then we set up a back-to-back-to-back kind of interview thing, tape interviews at a hotel. And like every single person came in either with an album or something for him to sign. Like they were just such fans. And he was so gracious to every single person. That's what I appreciate, you know, mm-hmm. like when when somebody is just so kind and so when they don't have to be, you know, like he could have just said, I'm going to do two interviews and that's it. But he did all the interviews. Like he never said no. One person that I almost met and didn't because I didn't think I would be able to pronounce my name was Billy Joel. <laughs> <laughs> He came to an appearance of moving out. It was a surprise thing that he was going to perform with the band after the show. And so um, he was in the lobby of the theater while the show was happening, you know, just kind of checking out things in the lobby. And the and that was my cat who wants to also be on the podcast. <laughs> you are on the podcast. Hilarious. Hilarious. He was in the lobby and the the tour press rep was like, would you like to meet him? I'm like, no, mm -mm, nope, can't do it. (laughs) I cannot believe you, Deb. You're crazy. Did you see him physically? Yeah. I mean, we were in the lobby together. Like he was like halfway across the room and I was just kind of like smiled and waved. (laughs) You're very professional. (laughs) I mean, I don't, I don't typically, like I never take pictures with any of the any of the performers or celebrities that I meet. I, it's funny because that was something that just kind of got taught to me early on was like, you don't, you don't ask for pictures. You never ask for pictures. And so I have a whole like photo album of non pictures (laughs) of zero zero pictures of the people Mm -hmm. that I've met. But yeah, I think the people that I, that stick in my mind aren't necessarily the like, yes, it's lovely to meet a celebrity. Sure. It's, it's kind of cool and it's part of our job. So I'm just always really appreciative of the people who are just real and, and authentic and kind. That's what sticks in my mind always. I agree. I, it was, it was definitely interesting getting used to that. I think, I mean, we worked with some really cool people at arena and mostly everyone was celebrity to me. Like no matter who you were, if you were in a show, I would bow down to you. So I definitely like learned how to just like keep it cool, settle down, do your job. And I think they appreciate it. And also you find out that they are just normal people 99% of the time. And it's easy to get along with them because, you know, I feel like you're an, if you're an actor, you enjoy people and creating together and it's all just part of the process. So that was really cool to learn. Well, and the thing too, I mean, especially about PR is that we're always asking them for their free time. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like we're always asking them to do something during their free time, during their downtime. And so you have to come at it from a place of appreciation and understanding and just being human about it because that's how it all works. Yeah. You know, I saw that in how you responded to the actors and the creative teams when you were setting up interviews and, and you know, coordinating things for them is that appreciation 
And that just goes such a long way. It just goes such a long way. There are experiences in people that, I mean, we get to, even if we don't have pictures with them, we get to take the little things and the little memories along with us for our whole lives. And that's what, what matters, I think. Well, and my memories from Marina aren't necessarily of the shows. It's of you and, you know, and Renee and Sammy and Bree. And, you know, it's of the people that I got to work with and were, you know, at some point in the trenches with on, you know, on occasion and just how we just became a family. Sobbing. Okay. (laughs) 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 It really was a family and. I'm so, so grateful for the time there. And now we like move on with our lives and get to connect like this and like do fun things like this interview, which you did great at and literally wasn't scary at all. Oh, blurb. <laughs> I mean, and, and for me, it's like I get to watch what you're doing next. And that's like such a thrill. I mean, that's just so cool because I'm going to be able to say some at some point, like I knew her when, like I was one of the first to know her. So when she's like, you know, when she's getting her Tony, just remember. <laughs> just remember. <laughs> And I'll be so excited for that day. And I'll be like, yeah, that's Deb. Well, thanks for coming on Beaming, Deb. It was so fun to talk to you. So fun to talk with you too. I miss you. I miss you so much. And hopefully one of these days the world will be safer (laughs) and we'll get to see each other again. But it was nice to catch up and learn more about you and just get to help share your story with many other people out there who are, you know, navigating life and connecting the dots as they go. But I think it's a good reminder that the dots do connect throughout your lifetime and that it all turns out. Well, thank you. I so appreciated this and just really enjoyed chatting with you and catching up with you. And thank you for not making it scary. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime. Thanks, Deb. Thanks, Sky. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Beaming. I hope you learned a lot and enjoyed my conversation with Deb. She always puts a big smile on my face. I hope you all are smiling today. Make sure to take care of yourself today. I appreciate you. Have a good one.